The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Cover story. Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert. The story. Headline. The spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image. Promote your products. Create expert status. Become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101. Crisis management. Media blitzing. It's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Hello, everyone. This is Brandy Shapiro-Babin of WebmasterRadio.fm, and I am joined by my fabulous co-host, Meg Walker-Robinson of PR Web. Welcome, Meg. Welcome. Thank you very much. How are you doing this fine and lovely day, Ms. Shapiro-Babin? <laughs> well, I'm doing fabulous, Ms. Walker-Robinson. Uh, you know, we just have to we just have to get the world to hyphenate. It's a, such a better place with hyphenation, don't you think? Well, you know, but I, I think you, I love saying your last name, and I know you're not from the South, but I, I just feel like like I'm speaking to Scarlett O'Hara. Oh, why? Thank you. Why? Thank you so much. And I know you are not a damsel in distress. You are an entirely capable and you know very accomplished woman. <sighs> Yes, so we have some interesting and fun stuff to do today. Um, I am actually calling in or or joining the show today from my um, my bat cave because Washington D.C. is expecting a snowstorm. Of course, sometimes when they say that, um, it really turns out to be absolutely nothing. So I'm hoping that that's going to be the case for us today. But uh, calling in from the bat cave and how. I know, just make me sick. What's the weather like down there? Well, I have to tell you. I, you know, we've been saying this. Everyone who lives in South Florida is saying how utterly fortunate we are because I think we're the only state in the country that's having nice weather. I will tell you that I do miss snow days because there's nothing like a lovely forced unplug randomly in the middle of a week because there's a snowstorm so there is an upside to it like isn't it nice you're working out of the bat cave today i i am working out of the bat cave although um there there are challenges so there are things that you're used to having at the office that you have to kind of scramble for so here i had to scramble around and reconnect my various computers to make sure i had a landline to to um to skype in for the call today i know and meg no one to run and get you coffee it's devastating um, oh yes, that <laughs> yes, yes, it does. So, um, who do we get to talk to today, Brandy? You know, this is I'm breathless when I think of what a um, and I hope he takes us politely. What a young man he is, um, and all of the accomplishments. It's pretty excited. Our featured guest today is Scott Gerber. He's a serial entrepreneur angel investor, media personality, public speaker, and the most syndicated young entrepreneurship columnist in the world. He's the founder and CEO of Gerber Enterprises, an entrepreneurial incubator and venture management company that invests capital, management expertise, and marketing services into innovative early and mid-stage companies. Founded in 2004, the company has since launched a diverse portfolio of businesses, including Yearbook Innovation, 
an end-to-end provider of print and digital media school memory products and services, and Sizzle It, um, the expert in Sizzle Real Production for global clientele of public relations, marketing and advertising firms. Scott is also the founder of the Young Entrepreneurial Council, an advocacy group made up of many of the world's top young entrepreneurs that works to help young people overcome the devastating effects of youth unemployment and underemployment by teaching them how to build businesses and the author of a new book, Never Get a Real Job. So I guess without further ado, welcome Scott Gerber. Thanks for having me, guys. I have to say, uh, you know, perhaps I also have another accolade, the longest bio in freaking history. So I probably should <laughs> get that down to like two sentences, don't you think? <laughs> you know, it was, I'm reading it, I have to say, and I'm thinking... Wow, how long can I hold my breath underwater? <laughs> uh, it, is, well, it is a trait that I ask people to do, uh, you know, post-reading my bio. No, it's it, great. And it's it, and reading through your bio, if you have the copywriting skills to be able to get all of that information into two sentences, <laughs> you, that would be truly amazing. <laughs> you, you really do have a very full bio and, uh, and have done some really fascinating stuff. Talk a little bit about... Um, about what you do as part of Gerber Enterprises and when you started it and and uh, tell us who you are Scott who are we want to understand you in a shorter <laughs> period of time than your bio takes to read um, no it's so, actually your bio is really good to be honest with you like if you want my personal critique <laughs> so, so I mean basically my, my whole story uh, and why people really care about anything I have to say uh, is here I am a young person that didn't come from a silver spoon lifestyle or an entrepreneurial background or even a business education of any kind and basically found a way uh, to survive and thrive despite uh, the trials and tribulations of young entrepreneurship. And really what that means in today's society to me uh, and why it's just so important uh, in, in, in developing kind of what I've done in the past uh, is because now there are so many people that are just like me that didn't have all the opportunities in the world and now are finding that they lack employment, that the, the notion of being able to get, to, to never have to get a real job, to be able to self-sustain yourself and be your own boss is becoming more and more something of viable uh, career path. So for me, I started my first business in college uh, at New York University, mm-hmm. and really what I was doing at the time with Gerber Enterprises uh, was basically, uh, it was originally Gerber Entertainment. Uh, it started as more or less an LLC that was a tax shelter for me doing producing work in the entertainment business. Um, so. Okay. Yeah. You know, I went out there, I started producing music videos and, uh, and, and commercial work and all this type of stuff and helped pay my college education bills. Uh, and basically, uh, the, my, my, I guess, downfall then became, hey, I'm obviously a young upstart. People are starting to give me this great work. I'm still in college. Now's the time for me to make it even bigger. So that's when I thought I needed to all of a sudden do a million and one things, and mm-hmm. thus the journey began uh, of where I ended up today because the business I then tried to start had uh, me doing every kind of production service in the world. I was doing photos and videos and new media and all right. kinds of stuff, and the company then took me down, bankru- oh, bankrupted, and nearly bankrupted me to only have $700 left in my account post-college. Wow. And, uh, wow. The, the quintessential reason I am here today is because of one conversation I had with my mother uh, who said, okay, Scott, well, you've given it your shot. Now it's time to get a real job. Interesting. And the thought of that made me want to vomit. So I, rather than... Uh, <laughs> How did you really feel about it, Scott? Rather than try to go the cubicle farm uh, route and, and think about drinking uh, a quart of vodka with a side of Xanax every day, I said, you know what, let me take a shot at taking the last $700 I have uh, and basically turning that into a business that has more focus, that is totally uh, one 
uh, does one thing well, not 100 things decently mm-hmm. or poorly. Um, you know, learn from my mistakes, kill the ego that got me down the path of, to near bankruptcy in the past and start a business. And so, you know, in doing that, I then launched Sizzle It, which is one of our businesses uh, that today had clients like Procter & Gamble, Dolby, The Gap, and a lot of other big brands. So the key was for me is just finding my own way to become the never get a real job persona because it's what I know and it's what I've done. Okay, so let me do this. Let, let's back up a second because this is, I think, very interesting for everybody, no matter what age you are. Like at the end of the day, nobody wants to work for the man. Nope. Right? Um, Absolutely not. I think any. I always say anybody who is uh, working under the uh, pretext that you are holding, uh, you put all your eggs into a basket that you're neither holding uh, nor you have any ownership over uh, is not in your best interest at any point. Right. Well, I mean, there's different ways of, uh, I think there's different personalities and there's different ways of looking at it because as you mentioned, you know, that the bottle of vodka with, a, you know, the half a bottle of Xanax, <laughs> you know, some people like to work for other people because... Mm-hmm they have a passion for what they do and the responsibility because you know it's it's sort of like when you're growing up and you're always going to your parents going I want I want I want yep. and you take for granted the fact that like wow you go into the bathroom and there's actually toilet paper yep you know like people that own businesses like there's a lot more to owning a business than even just mm-hmm. being successful as a marketer or or well, you know delivering yep. a great product so exactly now when you were in school and you were able to get contracts with all of these big companies from a video perspective. Were you at the film school? Yes, I was. Okay, excellent. So, which that comes with a, a bunch of, of perks. How were you able to go out originally? Like, what was your personal cue that allowed you to go out mm-hmm. as a college student with a ton of burden just to get mm-hmm. through your classes and, um, you know, pick a genre, pick an area and start adopting clients? Like, what was, what was that well, first turn? You know, I, I uh, it, it all started basically. Um, there was a job board in school okay. uh, with you know the, the the key was internships, right? That was mm-hmm. the big thing, internships, and right. and so you know I was in the process of starting my own startup at the time, uh, which basically was something that was going to help kids on campus film their own, uh, you know, especially actors, get their own reels done. So I was always in that world of trying to figure it out, and I figured I was on the perfect campus to launch it. But then I was called into the internship coordinator's office and had to put it on hold because I was told I had to go get an internship. And so once I got an internship, it was the worst experience I ever had because <laughs> I ended up being one of these internships that was, you know, hey, you're going to do this and that. And obviously get me the coffee. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes. Get me coffee, get my laundry, you know, all that. And I had a power-hungry middle manager that thought that he was God's gift to the world uh, who, God forbid, you step across, you cross him. And right. what happened was I ended up crossing him uh, without realizing it, apparently, because when the higher-ups asked me about the script approval process, which, mind you, was the whole reason I took the internship. It was about reviewing screenplays for Hollywood movies. Um, I told them what I thought, basically answering their question, uh, what could improve the approval process uh, of that you know, procedure. And I just found out that after I had given my advice, uh, a, a day later I found out the, the procedures were put in place by my power-hungry middle manager. Uh, uh, and basically, and yeah, that's that's a career limiting move. Or yeah, an and internship so, and so move I was I was unceremoniously let go uh, from my internship the next oh. day, <laughs> and, and that was and then I had found out that somebody on my campus, and this gets back to your point. Sorry for the long circle, but it makes sense. Uh, I found out that somebody on my campus in the film school started doing the exact same startup that I was going to be doing on my campus, and I 
I figured, oh my God, at the time, I didn't know I could just go and compete. I thought, oh, I'm dead in the water. So I never did it. And what that told me was that was the last time that I was going to have somebody tell me what was best for me, except me. If I was going to fall flat on my face, it was going to be because I fell flat on my face. I made the decision to do that, and so on and so forth. So literally within the next two weeks of that, I started looking at every single uh, production that was going on in New York City and contacting the various different players involved in it, started asking them for lunches, started seeing who I could sit down with for a coffee, and I started meeting with producers and music video people, and they saw me as this hungry upstart. And while these kinds of folks who were getting high-priced you know, uh, stuff, you know, uh, jobs or whatever, you know, they also got offered a lot of things that were not so high-priced. And so I became kind of the wonderkin of people that if you couldn't afford me, you know, me being the other person, um, I've got somebody that might want to take it and I became that person in that industry so I started just naturally getting uh, through my network more and more jobs those led to other jobs and so on and so forth okay okay that's awesome so now you've so now your mom sat you down Mm -hmm. and she said son can I, can I do it like a Jewish mother? And <laughs> well, you have to do it like a Jewish mother who's been a Board of Education New York City teacher for 30 years who has never known anything but stability and benefits. So good luck with that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not like one that runs a, an internet radio station, hey. Randy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine would be. Yeah, but we, I, I, I couldn't even have myself on the ear speaking like that. <laughs> I, I, I think Scott's mother is probably something more like, Scott, darling, we know that we've afforded you every benefit to give you a great (laughs) education and we believe strongly in you son that you are the most handsome smart capable man but we think you need to bring it down a couple of notches Mm -hmm. do something that's practical with your life and Mm -hmm. then when you grow your wings you can fly to any height but allow yourself to be educated on other people's money for right now it was something like that, and then she would also throw in, well, what do you, but, and then when I would say, Mom, you're out of your mind, she would then all of a sudden flip the niceties uh, into something along the lines of, well, how are you going to pay for health insurance? And what are you going to do when you want to get married, have kids, and retire one day? All of a sudden, here I was, 21 years old, thinking about my 401k, my IRA, <laughs> and when I was going to retire and die. You know, like that was the, it was like zero to 60 in five seconds with right, her. Right, right. And, and, so, and so, you know, here I was thinking to myself, God, uh, this is not a good idea. <laughs> so, but I just, I knew knew what I had to do, and I took a lot of heat for a lot of years. I had no support uh, from my family. Uh, loving, they're amazing, they're wonderful mm-hmm. people. I have, uh, you know, they, they got where I was in my life, but what they, what they told me wasn't right. They were great parents, awful business advisors. Uh, and today, you know, in the current economic times, I know I made the right decision, because here's my mother now, retired, uh, gone from a system that used to be the most stable system in the world. I mean, right. you can't On get much more income. stable. Right. You know, you can't, you can't get much more stable than a New York City teacher. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just almost impossible. You can barely get fired, uh, you know, uh, uh, with the exception of like one or two things. Mm-hmm. And now today, because of lack of tax revenue, teachers can't even get jobs. So right. it's right. interesting to see the shift, the paradigm shift in the way careers are working. But now the problem is for parents out there today, they still, many of them, don't know any other way. So they're still trying to teach us that that work hard, get good grades, go to school and get a job mantra is still alive and well. When in fact, for nearly one in five of us, uh, it's, it's antiquated and dead. So I think that we need to start to have a real conversation about what jobs really mean in this country and what the job of tomorrow for a young person is really looking like. Because in my opinion, it's, it should be a create a job to keep a job mantra, not take a job and hope for a resume, hand out driven society to hold. 
Right. And the other part of it, too, even if even if uh, if the young person is going out and getting a job out of college, out of high school, the assumption that that job is one that's going to last for a really long time is is not really accurate because very few people do stay in their jobs for 40 years and then retire. It's, sad. Yep. it's a couple of years and either there's a downsizing or some kind of change that then puts... Uh, then puts them in a position where they have to go out and either look for another job or um, or read your book. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, Meg, you, you hit it on the head. And, and to add to that point, you know, I, I often find myself arguing with parents for their kids' sake, um, just to not to try to make a point, because it's very hard to change someone's mindset. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Especially that they're not trying to hurt their kids in any way. Um, what they're trying to do is, is teach them a philosophy they themselves know. So it's understandable that just like I don't know what it's like to be, you know, a 45-year-old, 50-year-old person, they don't know what it's like to be in my shoes today. Right. Well, it's so generational. I work in that context, mm-hmm. right. but I do think that there's something to be said, uh, that when you guys went to college back in the day, uh, you guys had nine, you know, maybe ago. a couple million people in college. Today, we have 19 million uh, re- you know, graduates plus on, uh, you know, offline and online uh, you know, uh, additional courses, like University of Phoenix. You know, when your you know, generation went uh, and graduated, many of them sought out hyper-local employment. Okay, well, Scott? today we fight to be... Scott? Yes, okay. I, I, I just want to potentially throw something out there. You may be offending me. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I had asked you not to bring up the fact that I went to college when there were still covered wagons. <laughs> so, listen. Well, there were dinosaurs on my... There were dinosaurs on my campus. <laughs> well, and I, I did go to an actual campus. But they me. have computers, so... Yeah, no. So, listen. We need to take... Excuse me. <laughs> Quick, a quick break because I got to go suck off my oxygen tank over here. <laughs> um, when we get back, we're gonna like let let's delve in because we're actually running into the uh, the second half of the show. But let's really jump into um, things that people can do to really foster yep. their entrepreneurial spirit. How to identify Absolutely. if if this is right for you? Some of the best steps to take, and then maybe. Um, some of the areas that you've identified as being really wonderful growth areas that people can plug themselves into. Absolutely. Awesome. We'll be right back after this break. (laughs) Sit tight and don't move. Cover Story. We'll be back after this short break. Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-service solutions is AdMedia.com. AdMedia delivers an incredible lineup of specialized XML feeds for local, social, and search, plus the advertising arsenal of PPC, SEM, contextual, display, and more. AdMedia gives your campaign real visibility, from emailers to domain redirects. AdMedia tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage. AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything AdMedia can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. AdMedia, strong ROI made simple. SEO is like a roulette wheel, hoping that you put in the right meta tags and keywords on your page so that your site lands on the top spot. 
Don't just take the gamble. Go with the sure thing. The premier business-to-business on-air and on-demand podcast network, webmasterradio.fm. We can place the right keywords and messages from a 30-second spot to a 30-minute monthly special. Plus, we give you the banner ads, links, and placement to bring you more traffic from not just search marketing pros listening to our SEO channel, but from all of our listeners and podcasters searching for you. Contact sales at webmasterradio.fm for consultation today. If you're looking for a new multifaceted SEO and social media tool set, look for The Raven. Raven has the important tools that every internet marketer needs. Raven offers customized metrics for managing link building campaigns, social media campaigns, with campaign reporting and research tools that you can easily manage. Build up campaign performance for your clients and give your team the tools that will make them soar. If you want to increase your internet marketing revenue, look for The Raven. Go to raventools.com. That's raventools.com. Rock the world with LinkedIn. Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Hi, and welcome back to Cover Story. This is Meg Walker-Robinson. I'm with PR Web. We're joined today, um, and I'm also with my lovely co-host, Brandy Shapiro-Babin. And we're joined today by... um, Scott Gerber, who uh, is quite the entrepreneur. He started his first business in college and has been a serial entrepreneur since then. Um, Before the break, we were talking sort of about uh, the challenges that there are for students coming out of college because there is such a broad competition that really wasn't there before. And um, we are interested in uh, hearing some recommendations and some thoughts he has about what are some of the challenges that young people are facing in getting into an entrepreneurial situation for themselves? Well, I definitely have to say the first thing that young people really need to start doing today is to kill their ego. You've got a lot of people out there that think they're going to go out, put a domain name uh, on the web, and all of a sudden Facebook dollars and Groupon acquisitions and all this stuff becomes more what their mindset is, more what their expectation is, than what it actually will happen. They don't put the right thinking into the process and procedures of building it. They don't think about sales and marketing. They think about the idea. So you have to kill your ego. You have to stop thinking that today is going to be about the Access Hollywood future that you're anticipating on being an entrepreneur. It's actually a very, very boring lifestyle if you're very good at it. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah, be. exactly. And it's, it's it, you bring up two really good examples, and that's the Google example and the Facebook example. And one of the challenges that I've seen with some of the folks that I work with that are um, maybe a couple of years younger than I am, um, they really do have that false expectation that the world is going to come knocking at their door because they have this great idea and they're going to be the next um, Sergey or the next... Um, Larry. Yeah, exactly. Um, starting you, a new business. Yeah, I mean, you know what, Maggie, but you both have hit on, I think, really good topics. I think, you know, if you're going to stereotype potentially... Um, some of the youth have like this idea of entitlement yep. and I think you said that the right thing like leave your ego at home I'm all about like low expectations 
yep. with the hopes of the best. Well, it's funny. I actually named the first title, the first chapter in my book, Never Get a Real Job, is called Everyone Poops, Yours Isn't Special. And, <laughs> the, re- and, okay. and, and the reason for that is because everybody has this sense, uh, especially in Gen Y, you know, we all have this entitlement sense because we all got a trophy for ninth place in the three-legged race. <laughs> and, and the problem is with that is that because we never felt the sting of failure, because we didn't see, you know, uh, any of the, the, the dark side, if you will, because we were very coddled, you know, we have these false expectations. And then you, t- you, you, you take that along with the media hype that you get from, you know, different outlets on television, reality uh, shows, and all this other nonsense, you know, thinking that if I just go into a bar, write my idea on a napkin, I'm a guaranteed millionaire. And nothing can be farther from the truth. So the first thing, I, like I said before, is you've got to stop thinking about the bling. You've got to stop thinking about, you know, the houses and the yachts and all of the stuff that comes from success. Because in most cases, that will never happen. And that shouldn't be what your expectation is. Your expectation should be make a good living that provides you and your family with a great life. Okay, no, which is, which is great. And, and be passionate, right? You've got to love what you do. Otherwise, you ain't going to want to get up in the morning. Well, I definitely think, see, I, I, the, the funny thing about passion is this, and I actually wrote an article uh, on Inc. Magazine uh, a couple of months ago that almost had me hanged by the rafters, uh, but I talked about why passion is a bad thing, um, because you can't just be passionate about everything and anything. If you're passionate about everything and anything, it will blind you. So what you need to do is first ask yourself a lot of different questions about your idea. Is it really a business? Can it really generate money? Is it have something that you can really put out there in the world, or is it just this novel concept that you think, oh, because I love so Sewing, I can open a sewing shop. Like, is that realistic for you? So once you ask, answer those questions, and once you can defend yourself okay. to your harshest critic, mm-hmm. then I believe you should put yourself out there and be as passionate as you possibly can. But if you're passionate about everything you write down again on that napkin, you're going to be headed for a lot of different problems down the road. Right. No, no, good point. But when I say passion, I mean, you, you should pick something that you enjoy. Because otherwise, yeah. like from a sustainability perspective... Yes, you'll get burned out yeah, and you'll not burn. want to do it anymore. Exactly. Right. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, let's talk about, all right. First, it's reality check. You mm-hmm. know, like, check your ego at the door. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Second is, you know, really go out and see what the market has to bear, what the reality is from, like, mm-hmm. you know, is, is, is what you're looking to do? Is it scalable? What mm-hmm. kind of lifestyle you want? Think can you monetize it? Yeah. yeah can, you monetize, can you monetize it? Um, and then what are some steps that people can do that, mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, do you have a bit of a test that you give people that says, you know, hey, because there's certain people that are, um, let's say, the stuff of entrepreneurs, or entrepreneur, mm-hmm. entre- whatever, entrepreneurs, um, <laughs> you know, and then there's people that, like, they aren't, and there's nothing wrong with not being an entrepreneur, but is there, have you found there's some sort of a, a mini test Well, yeah, I mean, I basically ask them in most cases, pitch me what your idea is of a business, and I'll tell you within a couple of seconds if you're realistic or not. Um, And just because you just don't start off as realistic, I mean, I use myself as the example. You know, I nearly bankrupted myself because I had false expectations. So uh, because I've been through this, I I know what it's like. I understand to have to look at somebody's pitch when when they're as passionate as they are and say, if I only have a million, if I only got a million dollars of investment money, I can make this into a $3 billion company, and they're being serious about it, you know. You have to look them in the face and say, dear child, you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, so, so, yes, yeah, so there is a test in the sense that you need to gauge where is this entrepreneur's head at. Again, like we said, realistic expectations. Mm-hmm. But then you have to think, is this person a builder or a visionary? Mm-hmm. Because, again, right. the builders are people who can take A, go to B, go to C, go to D. And the visionaries are people that think too big for their britches, right? They're the ones who, you know, automatically think it's, it's okay, I need to just get uh, to this point and I'll be great. But they don't think about any of the steps before that. So that's the first thing. 
Um, another test you give them is saying to yourself, okay, you know, how would you go about starting your business? So that the next point I would give is making sure your business is simple, stupid, okay? Because if it's not simple, you're stupid, right? Because if you try to do something that's totally complex, totally undoable, you don't have People a starting point, you're trying to build, you know, based on this magnificent monster that you're trying to create, then you're basically building a dream and you're not building a business. So right, and, and, and if say, it's too complex, then whomever you're attempting to sell to or whatever your services that you're providing, they're not going to get it. And, exactly. and the last thing you really need to do is to go out with your first venture and try to do, um, try to do evangelical business building. You know, yep. with a concept. Well, I mean, case that, in point, a restaurant. Somebody, uh, and I, I use this example in the book. You know, where I had a friend of mine who came up to me and said, "I really want to start a restaurant, but I've got no uh, money to start that sort of business. Does that mean I can't be an entrepreneur?" And I said, "No." I said, "You can definitely be somebody who tries to get a food product into somebody uh, that wants to buy it." But they said, "I can't do the restaurant." I said, "Well, did I say restaurant?" So the point is, I said, "Well, what if you did a tailgating brand and you went and you took your burger? That was their concept. It was this burger with a certain kind of sauce." I said, "Go to tailgating." Events. Build the brand that way. Or perhaps you can partner with an already existing diner that's not doing so well and have a select special menu that you're going to try and case t- and, and test this so that later on, if you do have to go to a bank, you have a case study. You have a proof of concept. But again, it's the fact that everybody wants to start with the restaurant and not start with necessarily building a brand. That's where the issues come from. Right. Well, or- and one, one of the things that I like about both of those suggestions that you made is that they're relatively low barriers to entry. Mm-hmm. It's yep. you don't wait until you have the money to start a restaurant start now with yes. a step that's only going to cost you what the gas to get to a tail to, to, exactly. to wherever the, the the game is right exactly. um, it, it takes some time to go to to the restaurant and have a conversation and then you bring your own materials it's not this huge uh, you know, I need $250,000 to right. rent a space and refurbish it, which is a really good point. I think people mm-hmm. so in often realize that they have so much within their own capability and they have those abilities to get started with the business. And it doesn't have to be the end result. It can be the interim business to get to them to where they want to be. Or it could right. be something that grows in, grows larger than right. having yeah. your burger joint on the corner. You know, it all depends upon, I think, That's people... True. You know, I think the hardest thing in this world is being honest with yourself. Yes. Right? And, and, and I couldn't agree with you more mm-hmm. because that, that's what leads you to the next point I make, which is you want to make sure your idea is a money maker and not a money pit. Right? So a money pit is when you are not being honest with yourself and you say, okay, if I just throw more money at it, it's going to work. If I just put more, 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 it's going to build and it's going to happen. Versus the opposite where it's a money maker and you're building with cash flow. You're building something that is realistic, on the ground, practical. It's not about making the home run tomorrow. The home run might come in 10 years, but the point is you've went around the bases enough times to know that you can get to the home run. And that's a very big issue with ego, honesty, and realism. You know, when Mm -hmm. you have to decide, can your business actually make money to support itself? Right. Which, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes, you know, everything in life is a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. But you can put yourself on, I think, a little more equal footing if, if you, you know, if you if you run through some of these exercises. And also, too, you know, that the whole being honest with yourself, we, you know, our mind is so polluted with, you know, what we were taught as children we should do, mm-hmm. what society tells us we should do. When we fall asleep with the TV on, you know, he, you know hearing CNN or, or CNBC wafting through our brain and just really saying, you know what, do you really want to own a restaurant where it's perishable goods? You have to watch everyone like a hawk 
Mm-hmm. Or would you do you have a passion for this really cool burger sauce thing that you can actually have all the major restaurants, you know, carrying this burger once it takes off and you get table number one and you get to go home and don't have to worry about turning the lights off. Right. I mean, I mean, right. you know, again, it, it, it comes down to being realistic, being practical. The thing is about business, it's not overly complex. It's not easy, but it's not complex. What makes it complex is the media and the hype and all the stuff that goes with it. But the business itself, if you're a smart business owner or speak to a lot of different smart business owners, you'll mm-hmm. find these guys are not risk takers going for broke. These are guys who are very methodical, cash flow oriented people, people thinking about small steps forward rather than home runs every day. But if you watch the social network and all of a sudden say, oh, well, he started Facebook in three years, <laughs> right, well, that's right. the problem. You know, that's the problem with the way, especially young people perceive entrepreneurship, that it's a rich man's game. It's, to- it's, it's, it's be rich by 30 or go home. And that's definitely not what this should be about. That's true. And one of the one of the, uh, one of my really good friends is a serial uh, entrepreneur and he started a couple of uh businesses and he's uh, on his I guess 6th or 7th business. Uh but one of the things that he talks about when um he has started a business is that he really starts with the end in mind and mm-hmm. that is is it a business that's self-sustaining without him and one that he can um mm-hmm. have an exit strategy from? Do you do you talk at all in your book or with your folks about um, how they approach an exit strategy? Well, I will say this. In the book, no, I don't, and there's a reason for it. Um, you know, again, the book is really targeted for, for two kinds of groups. Uh, you know, and everybody's told me it's a universal theme book, so, you know, even though it's really Gen Y specific, it could be any age. But what I wanted to focus on was really taking these kids who are out of, you know, work in record numbers and give them a viable career option. So I did want to cloud their mind with everything about the long-term strategy of a business. Uh, rather, what I wanted to talk to them about is how to get it up and running for almost no money how to start building based on cash flow and realistic expectation, exactly what we're talking about here, and how to sustain that. And then as they are going through, you know, perhaps maybe a second book, but as, as they're going through the process of seeing what it's like to really be in the throes of a business and continuing to manage it over time, learning to grow based on situation, uh, learning to grow based on what opportunities exist uh, as their business is out there in the world, that's really what I wanted to focus you know, focus my efforts on. Because again, things like exit strategy are one of those key things that I think is a term uh, that, in if not properly put out there, can end up being, hey, this is how you get rich. And that's certainly not what I wanted to push. This book was about teaching young people how to build simple, uh, practical, unoriginal businesses that they can then take to make their living and not necessarily, not saying I'm against it, but not necessarily be making millions. Okay. Right. That's. Right. I think that's that's a fear. That's place a lot to more realistic yeah. and practical than kids tend to want to be. So that that's really really good advice. I think. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, you know, there's a ton of questions that I'd love to ask you, Scott, and I know Meg would love to ask you. Yes. <laughs> um, we have managed though um, to reach the end of our show. This went very very quickly. I'm such a loudmouth, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> no, you just talk a lot. Uh, <laughs> and it's interesting. No, 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 no. You're, you're, you're inspiring. We should, okay, we should totally get you to share um, a list of URLs where if people want to read more or learn more about you, they can go to Scott. Um, sure. Could you share some of those? Absolutely. So any, anything about the book and my personal blog, folks can go to nevergetarealjob.com. 
Uh, you can also go to youngentrepreneurcouncil.com, and that, uh, again, as we talked about at the top of the show, is a group that I formed uh, made up of the top young entrepreneurs in the world uh, who are helping people by answering their questions. We then take those questions and answers and syndicate them to top media outlets for everybody to learn from, like the Wall Street Journal and Entrepreneur Magazine. And uh, you can go again and ask your questions at youngentrepreneurcouncil.com. Uh, and then lastly, you know, hit me up on Twitter, Ask Gerber. Excellent. Great. Yeah, we would love, I mean, we'd love to do a part two with you, Scott, if you'd be game for it. No problem. You know, and we'd love to use you as sort of like your own personal case study, because I think that when people can hear World War Real, wow, I feel like Barbara Wawa today. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, when people can hear real world, um, you know, case studies, if you will, I think that's really inspiring to people. And you are, you've done a, you know, I think you've done a very good job at not only obviously creating a strong business for yourself but also giving back to a community you benefit from and you know it seems from a media perspective you really sort of hit like the five major windows and that's pretty awesome well, I appreciate that. I think that the, you know, as a final thought, I would say there are too many young people today that are being underserved, uh, and I know what it's like to go out into the world, you know, and not really have that support system. So what I wanted to offer them is a support system that is there every step of the way to help them through advocacy, through eventually resources and other such things that are really going to help them make uh, a living, become self-sufficient, and go out into the world and be able to really take control of their own lives. And if I can do that, along with this group of folks, uh, I think I've succeeded more than any monetary value I can ever achieve good for you good for you you know what good for you because it's it's nice to know at the end of the day we're doing something that's making a difference in the world around us and that is an amazing gift so good for you and hopefully it gets hopefully it happens and that's the key (laughs) it sounds like it your your mother should be very proud (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she's still waiting for those health care benefits to kick in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. All right, Scott Gerber, thank you so much uh, for joining us. For those of you uh, who are interested, Sizzle, Sizzle It, great place to go get your demo reels, um, as well as, you know, never get a real job. You can check Scott out um, on his blog, on Twitter. And, of course, if you haven't already purchased the book, go get the book, kids. Meg. A pleasure as always. And Scott, thanks for the contribution today. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Thanks so so much. much. All right. I'm going to go take my Geritol. (laughs) Yes, I I think I need to go have a cup of coffee and try and and get one one hundredth of the energy that Scott brought to the show today. If he only knew you and I are two years older than him. But I guess we're still older women. It's all good. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you know what? The show is over, but before we actually leave, we need to remind everybody that Tuesday, or I'm sorry, wow, Wednesday at 2 Eastern Time or at 11 Pacific Time, we are live. And they can also catch recordings of the show at webmasterradio.fm or pick up the feed on iTunes. Again, cover story. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Meg. <laughs>